am the new uh, mega mega cow. Le le cow de mega. God <laughs> knows what that means. Oui. Oui. Uh, avec moi, Conrad Bernard et Megan. Megan. Megan, comme la voiture. Yeah. Like every French person said to me on my ear brought in France. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can we start speaking French now? Oui. That's the, yes. That's the most that's French it. I can say. Well done. Um, welcome. Yeah, this is going to be a very special Megan's Mega Can this week because we've got a real French person here. <gasps> Not <Hello>. me. <laughs> Hello, Daphne. Hello. This is Daphne Rousseau, a uh, economics correspondent for AFP, the French news agency. And she is uh, going to tell us some very interesting things about the future of Europe that you, or that we, might not be aware of. <laughs> that you, we, <laughs> obviously me, I don't know anything, yeah. because all of my news is just Brexit and I don't even understand that. But we're not talking about that today. No, we're not talking not. about Brexit today because, you know, we have to get over it. Do we? Yeah. It's, it's... France has just said no as well, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. Last... Yeah, they said, they said, get out. <laughs> but when I will need a, a break from French news, can I just drop up in one of your Brexit uh, thing and just enjoy fresh enjoy, British comedy? Enjoy British... is the wrong word for when we're discussing <laughs> yeah. Brexit. Okay, I we're going to fight. <laughs> and I can't understand it at all. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get on to the mega cans. What have you got for us this week, Megan? Okay, well... Today, yesterday, um, I went to Real at uh, uh, in the Neukölln Tour, whatever it is, that big shopping centre by Neukölln S-Bahn, and they have, like the supermarkets of the UK, created their own little kind of like booze section where you have to find the spirits. Like, you have to go through, like, a, a barrier, and this little person lets you in if you look, like, not scoby. And then you get let in. And they have, like, regal upon, like, shelf upon shelf of mega cans. Oh, wow. So I have exciting mega cans. You hit the mother load. I really did hit the mother load. I can highly recommend it. Um, and then, yeah, so we have, and Daphne, you get to choose. We've got some classic flavors, but with different, like, manufacturers. Everything is exotic to me, so... Yes. So, we have a Johnny Walker and ginger, as opposed to the usual Jack Daniels and ginger. Mm -hmm. We have, rather than the uh, Bacardi mojito, we have a Captain Morgan mojito. Mm -hmm. And we have, very excitingly, a Bombay dry gin and tonic. Fantastic. Daphne, as our guest, which one would you like to drink? I'm jumping on the Bombay gin tonic. All right, pass that across to Daphne. Okay, they are okay. all matte cans today, cans with a matte finish, yeah. which regular listeners will realise that we are being incredibly classy. Yeah, which one would you like? Oh, I'm just going to have to have the Johnny and ginger. Well, that's good, because you're quite a ginger and whiskey aficionado of the mega can variety, so yeah. you're going to be able to give your, your verdict. I can't wait for this. The can is so fancy. <laughs> I know, fancy mega cans. Okay, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Ow. Mm. Excellent. Mm. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, it's you're a light of the thigh. I love it. It tastes... It's <laughs> <laughs> Is this your first time having a mega can? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Oh. For 15 years, I think. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well. They're traditional things to drink, I suppose, on a Friday evening, aren't they? Before you go out. Just for us. But yeah. That's what they I do set you up for. They set you up for an evening. And I would like to just briefly, before we begin, give the people of the UK for the first time this week some good news. It's come to my attention in a text message from a friend of mine because mega hands are my favourite thing about Germany, sort of, because they're 10% and they're only 5% in the UK because we can't have nice things, obviously, like the EU and 10% mega hands. <laughs> However, Marks and Spencer's has done a double shot gin mega can, which takes it up to 8%. How's that so legal? there you go. It might be all a shambles, but you still you can go to MS. I think MS gets to circumvent the booze rules quite a lot because it's Cause middle it's class. It's it's <laughs> yeah. It's like the place I've ever like one of the places that I have been publicly drunk drunk the most and also been able to bring in the most of my own booze was Wimbledon. Really? You can bring in an enormous amount of booze because really? everyone is presumed to be like middle class and will behave themselves, which of course nobody does. That's amazing. You can't even bring your own drinks into the cinema. No. But you can bring them to Wimbledon. Yeah. Is that, is they have, you can bring one six pack of beer, the equivalent of a six pack of beer for each person, or a bottle of wine. But basically, they only check you, and so you can like split up with your party. So I had all the booze, yeah. and then someone else went to because they have security, they put you through. So you can just basically be like, oh, well, I've got that lad and that lad's booze, and it could all just yeah. be for you. I cannot even imagine a place in Germany that you cannot bring your own booze. I think even in the church, you this can bring it. Like, this is why we love Germany. Yeah. Post. 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 Um, so, anyway. A lot to say about that, but I've got to, I want to move swiftly on to um, the, the right. future of Europe. <laughs> Yay! Uh, because what is interesting is that uh, in, the, in January, the Aachen Treaty was signed between Germany and France. This is news to me. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm promises excited. much closer... Uh, economic and political co- cooperation between the two countries. Right? Right. It's a sort of strengthen Europe, you know? It's like, and they, they're going to have a, a Franco-German day, I believe, uh, which is the 22nd of January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that when the Aachen Treaty was signed? Exactly. Yes. And, um, and, the, and the, you know, like... What are we going to do on that day? I don't know. Either. We're going to get it off work? We could eat a croissant with sausages. Like, <laughs> those, those, those ones from Crowbag. the worst named place there's ever been. And the worst croissant in the whole European Union, including still you, the Britain. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, Crowbag. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, the point of it was uh, uh, this would like create this new like, like sort of new economic area, and they have to cooperate politically much closer. That's the idea, right? Uh, just so that they have like a stronger presence internationally as well. Right. Um, um, and so one of the the like, but this is causing tension now because a lot in a lot of cases, France and Germany actually have opposite interests. I'm wiggling so, my eyebrows for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to get my eyebrows. Okay. And uh, Daphne, you've been covering this quite a lot, haven't you? I expect. Yeah, quite a lot. And I would not share your excitement. I don't know if it's opening a new area. But you it's... try and be excited at the outside. <laughs> I'm also start high energy. You two might I'm just so depressed. I'm also trying to move my eyebrows. No, no. Uh, I don't know if it's a new area. I see it more like an old couple, you know, that need to renew the vows a little bit after like many, many, many years in sleeping in different beds and oh. barely looking at each other and. And maybe also shifting apart and maybe even starting to consider to open the relationship. So, yeah, I think it was a second honeymoon. Like, you know that um, this treaty was basically signed for the first time in 63 between Adenauer and Charles de Gaulle. It was back then called uh, Traité de l'Elysée, Elysée Treaty. And they just thought that they needed a 2.0 version like uh, 40, 50 years after. So I see it more like renewed vows than okay. the new beginning of a new era. But it could be also. Convince me. <laughs> well, they're going to build uh, batteries together. That's a new thing. Is that not the idea? Yeah, but yeah, that's that's electric. Yeah, batteries. that's that's one of the ideas. Yeah. Uh, so they want to. Um, first of all, they want to have a cultural approach of what is German French relate. We say German, French, French, German. I don't know. When I'm talking in French, I always say French, German in this order. But is it politically correct? Well, it depends what country you're in. Yeah. So French, I will stick on the French, German. So yeah, they want a cultural approach of what is French and German love, meaning they want small kids to still uh, learn uh, German language when they're in in French school and the opposite. Um, that was one thing. And more concretely, yes, they're pushing forward the economic cooperation and the defense cooperation. That was also a very big point. Yeah, defense co- uh, cooperation. That is- Are we going to talk about guns again? Because I'm only about a third through my mega. <laughs> like Should we start with the batteries then? Maybe, the yeah, let's start with the batteries. Mm. That is good because, you know, we need more electric cars because, you know, climate change. So yeah. they need to build these batteries, right? So that is a good thing. Yes, that is a good thing. They We need more electric cars and France and Germany needed a very symbolic, let's do something big that we can have in the news for months together. And they found this battery project. I mean, it's good, but it's not like the very sexy. Overexcitement, yes. Uh, so they announced it like two weeks ago. And as part of the uh, the most inclusive cooperation that they will have in the next 10 years, actually, if we're looking at the figures and the numbers, the amount of money, of euros that they're putting into this project is phenomenal. It's right. Like even for, it's more than 1 billion euros. It's 700 uh, millions for Germany and uh, almost the same for France and it's quite a lot of money so what they want they want uh, to make sure that Chinese will not be the only one producing the batteries in the future okay so they want to secure jobs they yeah. want to secure cooperation and they want to secure anything factory related industry related into Europe they want to switch to this 21st century that factories and industry will not be so important we all know that data is the new oil of the 21st century but still people are still working in factories we need to provide them jobs and so that was a way to secure and this economical industrial uh, cooperation and it's also politically very nice two months before the European election where 
securing jobs, and we will we will provide you a better future for ten years. Okay. That so was. Where is this factory going to be? That's the big question. They don't want to answer. They were talking about uh, are that it's going to be in France. It's going to be in Germany. I think my opinion is going to be in Poland. Poland. Yeah, actually, they ah. <laughs> actually. <laughs> so the French-German uh, mega symbolic uh, uh, last move is actually happening in Poland. I think it's going to be cheaper, and they wanted to have Poland on board for this project. So they announced it in Berlin. Uh, Bruno Le Maire, the French Minister of Economy and Finance, and Peter Altmaier. Okay. Can we have that again? Bruno, yeah. Le Maire. Bruno Le Maire. Bruno Le Maire. Le Maire means the mayor. Oh, but he's actually the minister. <laughs> they announced it in Berlin, but Bruno Le Maire jumped into a flight, like a few days after, went to Warsaw, and from Warsaw said, hey, we also have Poland on board, and he will do it also with Spain. Meaning it started as a French-German thing, and it's now expanding to more and more countries, and let's be honest, economically speaking, they will put the factories where it's the cheaper to produce. So it might be in Poland. That's an option. That's an option. For people within their countries. Uh, it's about symbol. We can still Yay! do, we can still make Europe economically great, not again, but okay again. Okay, alright. Okay, well that's good. I think I'm still excited. I'm still excited about the Aachen Treaty. I'm not very excited about Poland at the moment because. <laughs> Always get the Poland I'm not, I'm not a big fan of their government. No. But they are, economically speaking, a, a miracle, you know? Like, Poland might be the new Germany, more and more people say it. They have amazing growth, they are politically extremely conservative, but for many, many, many people, they are the good people of uh, Europe in terms of economic policy. And this Bruno Le Maire published a book, like, uh, just before the election, like a platform book, uh, talking about Europe. And he was presenting the book in a small uh, bookshop in Paris two days ago. And one German journalist was there. And Bruno Le Maire speaks an amazing uh, German. He, he studied, he can speak like on TV for hours and German people love him because of it. So German journalist, yeah, he's very, and also he's very tall and very handsome. And well, I yeah. better not see him. How yeah, he's... Him, <laughs> <laughs> so a German journalist was there. <laughs> and... He asked uh, ask him, um, what do you think about this French-German relation? And suddenly Bruno was like, oh, uh, it's not only about France and Germany. We should, that's the open relationship. There are other partners in Europe. Poland is doing, Poland is doing an amazing job. So yeah. we're going through an open relationship. I knew that we'd start talking about open relationships. When the French I'm a big, I think that open relationships um, are, are, Wonderful, but I wouldn't get into bed with somebody like Poland who wants to completely restrict, if not ban, my access to abortion. But we're not talking about that. I just wanted to mention that because it's... Yeah, no, Poland is like, yeah, it's problematic. What's the name of their, um, it's like... Law and Justice, sounds like a CSI spin-off, whatever their <laughs> leading party is called. It's called... Um, I want justice or something. Anyway. Yeah. Peace. Peace and justice. No, it's, it's, that's the, the name of the party. Peace. Peace yes. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Uh, all right. So we're anyway. going to build German French batteries in Poland. Yeah. Spain's going to be, you know, around forever. Yeah. Okay. 
And I also want to build uh, drones together. <sighs> this is what I know about. <laughs> Do you remember? We went there. We yeah, went to, we, we met there. Like, with, yeah. With, uh, we went to this, this airfield outside Berlin. Right. Me and Daphne. Not just me and Daphne. There's other journalists too. <laughs> <laughs> like 100 other journalists. <laughs> yeah. To see uh, Ursula von der Leyen, German defence minister. Going to have that again? Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah, we've had her before. She's great, yeah. isn't she? Well, yeah. I was cross with her for some reason. Yeah, and our French counterpart Florence Pali. Wow! Right. Yeah, perfect. Florence Pali. Yeah, and they were. What presented. were those lads up to? Ah, and they landed in this huge military plane on a yeah, yeah on a grey spring afternoon. It was very spectacular, actually. We were all waiting in the wind, and the two minister ladies <laughs> arrived in this military plane. It was all about wind, and it was almost stormy. It was a. Very, yeah. very spectacular. It was in the middle of the um, the, the uh, international Berlin air show. It was a Berlin air show. And then they announced the yeah, and then they announced this new drone they want to build together. Right. And they had a, a thing, and it's a, like a drone for like you know killing Muslims. Not <laughs> about killing bad Muslims. Yeah, because yeah. the drones like, are always like, so good at finding the bad ones, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I oh think that's the idea. I, it's a new project. I suddenly have a question. Why is it so important that France and Germany are so busy in announcing that they're doing things together? I, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, what's your guess? Why is it so important? They're announcing and announcing. We don't even can. We cannot follow. We cannot keep on following what are all these announcements. But every two, three months, there is a spectacular announcement. We're still doing things together. Well, I think it's because of Brexit. It's because they're really scared now because the, the you know Britain's leaving. And Their kids have left home. They're not going to have anything. Else on defense, on defense, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, they want to rely on each other now. That's yeah. for sure. And I think that, um, and also like intelligence is like going to be really important. When, when Britain is out of the EU, because they would always share all their intelligence, you know, all their, all their spies. I don't think European intelligence is such a thing. I think intelligence is not into borders of European Union. Well, there's the, the, the well, we have the, there's the five eyes. You know about the five eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia. Five eyes. So there's, it's like they, 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 all the English speaking countries, basically, America, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, they share an intelligence network, and Britain is the only one that's in the EU. Can we start saying and the UK? Sorry. <laughs> is that not politically correct to say no. Britain? Well, what do you mean by? We should, we should clarify this, shouldn't we? We should have. I don't know. After four, four podcasts about Brexit. No, I think you're just because usually we say the UK, because otherwise I would have mentioned oh, okay. it. But yeah, Britain I find is a weird thing because it's more of a cultural. It's not like a. Okay, sorry. The UK. That's all right. Anyway, and now that Britain's leaving, like suddenly it's like, oh, well, we, the UK's leaving. <laughs> the UK's leaving. And it's like, oh, Europe's got to like sort itself out. And who's going to sort out Europe? It has to be Germany and France because they're the two biggest economically strongest countries. So they have to like, um, uh, 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 you know, strengthen their position and become economically. Uh, 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 more integrated and politically more integrated and this is a problem because uh, like for example on Saudi Arabia we were talking a lot about this you know arms deals with Saudi Arabia yeah. it's a big political issue in Germany not as much a big political issue in France is it 
As absolutely not. In France, it's not even an issue. And I have German colleagues and f and friends who are asking me all the time, how do you explain that France is openly sending uh, weapons and arms to Saudi Arabia? And it's not even a debate in your country. And it's true. It's it's not really a public debate. Uh, it's not a mainstream debate. Yeah. And then I'm asking them, why is it such a debate in Germany? That's an interesting thing for me. Yeah. I think, I mean, why... Yeah, I think the first question is the one that needs to be asked. Like, why? Why is it not? I think a yeah. lot of people just don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about. Like when I hear arms, I hear like shadowy kind of bomb villains. I'm not like, oh, it's actually the, the governments are making deals. But that's because I'm incredibly ignorant. But uh, I'm not taking position. We're just not surprised. I'm not taking position on it, but I'm saying that there is a realistic approach that the UK has and that France has also, and they've been selling weapons to almost whoever is buying their weapons because they need this money to have a defense, sustainable defense system. And it has always been this very realistic or even cynical uh, logic um, yeah. at stake. And now actually Germany is really bringing the, the debate even into France slowly, slowly, like why we always consider, we have always been considering that it's, um, it's a fact that we can sell weapons to whoever buy the weapons. Yeah. Which is in the, in the framework of law, in the framework of law. I think what gets me is the kind of hypocrisy because then on the one hand we're the UK is selling all these, you know, weapons to whoever will buy them and then we have Jeremy Hunt who goes and stands in a in a flak jacket giving an emotional plea about about uh Yemen and being like this is awful, this is going to, you know, I'm just like youth You've literally just been around trying to get everyone to agree to sell weapons to anyone. Yeah. And you see, that that's why when, when Ursula von der Leyen and Florence Paris arrived in there. Show me with the names now. I'll give you the When they arrive and they say, we're going to make this drone, who are they going to sell the drone to? Because they can't. The problem with, with uh, military projects is they're so expensive. You can't just sell them to countries mm -hmm. that you like. Like in the yes. it's it's yeah to have a sustainable defense you need to just bring the money from wherever you can bring it yeah. and they will less you. and less sell it to the US also obviously so yeah so who are you going to sell them to uh, if you want to have these drones you've got to sell them to countries like Saudi Arabia which are really rich but also really morally compromised morally compromised <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know barbaric <laughs> and uh Oh, and this is like a, a problem because now they, so they, there was this huge debate like, um, at the end of last week, end of last week, yeah, about this um, about whether to because Germany has this nominal uh, arms trade ban with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They weren't going to they weren't going to sell any more weapons to Saudi Arabia until they'd sorted out who had killed Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. Right. And then they decided, oh. Um, Well, maybe what about... And then France was, like, coming, coming along, and the French minister of the uh, the foreign minister of France, who's got another nice name, what's the French? <laughs> Jean-Yves Le Drian. There you go. <laughs> He came along to the cabinet meeting where they were discussing this, amongst other things. Like, how long should they extend the... Because as part of the Aachen Treaty, they're going to... Um, the, like, cabinet ministers are going to, like... Go and visit. It's going to be like an like an exchange program. 
like a French German exchange program. So the, the cabinet ministers... Like in high school, but for yeah. ministers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and you, and you yeah. don't get to kiss your oh. German correspondent at the that's, end of the meeting. Kind of like, we're going to still learn languages in schools. Yeah. We're gonna, it's, it is a bit like quite a crap French exchange project that they put together. Oh, we need to make a business. What we do? Oh, electric car batteries. Oh, right, okay, we'll do that. What, do you think we can get that lad in the other class to do it? Because I really can't be bothered. He's going to be cheaper. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get to go into other people's cabinets, so... And then, this was like a thing, and then they said, like, oh, should we extend the ban or not? And what happened, Daphne? Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> they decided to extend the ban. To extend the yes. ban, yeah. But um, the, the French-German cooperation projects... Like drones and fighter planes, the big ones, tanks, they want to have a, a joint tank. They may be not going to extend it as much. Like they're going to maybe close it one eye, as the Germans say. Or two, right? or two eyes, even. Two eyes, turn around <laughs> and just. Like yeah. if, it's, if it's a German gun, if it's just like a, like a machine gun that's just made in Germany, no other parts, then no, you can't sell it to Saudi Arabia. But if it's a drone, which has got like French parts in it and German parts in it, okay, we can sell a couple. Okay, we won't look that sort of thing. I feel like we can all decided. sleep a little easier yeah. in our beds, knowing that's brilliant. Well done. So, did I sum that up quite accurately? Perfectly, perfectly, Ben. So, in addition to that, are there more conflicts then between, are there, what, what are the, the hurdles or the, 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 bumps in the road we can envisage in this weird German-French exchange <gasps> project. You have to know that this uh, um, Treaty of Aachen was um, in France, they gave the occasion to thousands of fake news, like we had uh, from the extreme right, like the far right. So um, basically Marine Le Pen, Marine Le Pen, the leader of the French uh, uh, far right. It's change, hasn't it? Yes, I it think used it's to. Not it's called national anymore. No, it's called it's called now um, <laughs> rassemblement national. Rassemblement. rassemblement national. So <laughs> she said it's this treaty was for her an act of treason. <laughs> Then we had another uh, extreme right leader, Nicolas Dupont-Aignan, who said that it was selling France to Germany. Mm -hmm. And then we had a deputy from this party saying that it's actually. Uh, Alsace and Lorraine, which are two area of France yeah. who used to be German and then gave back to France, um, will be again on control of Germany because in this treaty, yes, there is a small part with about a school in this area that should be bilingual. Ah, okay. Because they are exactly on the border. And so it was really like, we're so back, we are back in the first, yeah, yeah, that's a good I idea. And make the, area. make the kids work for the factory. Well, I, honestly, <laughs> we're making that joke. But hey, if we're selling drones to Saudi Arabia, hey, what's about child labor to make those drones? At least they won't be killed by them. Yeah. That's just for the... Like Muslim children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so there's the, the, the resistance from, from the far right. Yeah, there's a resistance from the far right. I'm gonna dive now in another very technical topic, but it was also a huge, huge, huge problem in France with this treaty. It's the French UN sit at the Security Council. Right. Okay. So, Security Council, the UN, there is uh, five permanent members. 
UK, hey, <laughs> Russia, United States, France, and China. It's been uh, decades that Germany is trying to also have more diplomatic power, so being more involved in the in the UN, and are dreaming to have a seat at this uh, Stammtisch yeah. <laughs> of the UN Security yeah. Council. A cool table in the school. Exactly. Yeah. They are right. pushing, 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 pushing for it. And one option would be, hey, let's take France out and let's have a European seat. European seat, not just France. British, you're out anyway. You will be out, sorry. But uh, let's... <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. But <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but let's have a sip. So, um, yeah, it's this treaty was also um, paving the way for a more, uh, more for a more imp- what? Could they not just add an extra seat? But I suppose everyone wants to make Yeah, I mean, it's really like the European Security Council is really like a, a relic. It's like a dinosaur, isn't it? It's the US fossil. Security. I I never heard of it. Because <laughs> well, it's like something. It's because. It, the only, it was created like out of the war. Like, why would why else would France and and the UK have a permanent seat and and uh, not and uh, not like Germany and Japan? Like, it's because of the war. Yeah, yeah. it was made for the winners. Yeah. 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 So and and then I think a lot of the other countries in the world, especially the the you know like the the big countries that are developing very quickly, like India and Brazil. Yeah. So quite pissed off. Yeah. So to sum up, this Aachen Treaty in France was covered as we are selling to uh, Alsace and Lorraine back to the German. One okay. thing. Then we are giving away our seat at the UN Security okay. Council to the Germans. So imagine the amount of history and fake news that this treaty caused in France. It was for one month and a few weeks uh, disaster. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're like upset people in France about that. Yeah, it, it was making the headline, but only with... Yeah. General, I think. Yeah. But it tells you also the amount of um, fear that there is in France still toward Germany. It's not, yeah. a, it's yeah. not an easy relationship. No. no. And also, like, they're never going to actually extend the, the change to the UN Security Council, are they? Because like, what would Russia just, say? Russia and China are just not, not going to say, okay... Yeah, that's fine. Two countries, two European countries can join, like because they want to have, they want to keep their their position as well. Their power. Yeah, but but UK out now. It's like France and only France. Yeah. And why? Why it should be only France as a European yeah, representative? Odd. This came up today, actually. Did it about the Security Council because of Libya? Do you know about Libya? <laughs> I don't want to know about Libya. No. Oh, right. God. So there's like a there's like this new war happening in Libya, basically. Oh, this sorry, guy yeah. started to start. This guy he's called General Haftar, and he started a new um, uh, like like an offensive against Tripoli. Like Libya is a massive militia shit show. Yeah. Like everyone's just fighting it's each just other. Why it's really good that we're giving right. them loads of money to yeah. look after refugees. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> And at the moment, there's like a UN-backed government in Tripoli, right? And uh, but but there's this other guy called Field Marshal Haftar in the south of Libya. He owns like he he controls quite quite a lot of the country, and he's decided he just wants to take over. And he started a military advance against against Tripoli. And this is and 
it's called and Germany today called an emergency because Germany has like a, a, a non-permanent seat on, on the Security Council at the moment. So they've caused they've called a um, an emergency Security Council meeting about this. Right. Where while the UN Secretary General has gone to um, Libya trying to like create peace, you know, like trying to talk to all sides, saying like chill out, everyone, stop it, yeah, yeah, stop don't, it. don't 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 have a big fight. <laughs> Let's talk about it first. Right, so, and, um, but the problem is France has previously supported Haftar, this guy who's, like, causing all this trouble, who started this thing. Daphne, and, why do you love Haftar so much? What's that about? France and Italy, I should say. Because they have, like, they, well, well, yeah, good question. Why? <laughs> it's... <clears throat> uh, yeah, no, France and Libya, it's a complicated re- relationship. It's, yeah... You know, you remember Nicolas Sarkozy? I do. What's okay. That? Yeah, the form, former, like, former president of I France. Think it won the election when I was in France. I think when I lived in Nice. Good, me- good memory? I don't think I was very... I was just trying to get through being in France. <laughs> so, yeah, there is an investigation yeah. going on that um, Sarkozy could have uh, been... Uh, could have had the funding from Gaddafi for funding his campaign back then to tell you the extent of the good relationship between France and Libya yeah and also I heard there's rumors that um, we're not doing rumors (laughs) well okay this is not a rumor France supported Haftar because they are worried about Chad which which is a um, a, a border country neighboring country okay in the south of Libya. I briefly went to like a mid-American bro, but then I remember there's a country and then I decided that was probably more likely. That the no, 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 no. The country in Africa. I know, oh, Chad right. is a country in Africa. Right, it's anyway, my connotation. Sorry, not Chad, yeah. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> Chad's of the world. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, just because they're, because, because France is particularly worried about Chad, um, they kind of helped out a little bit on the slide Old Haftar in the south of Libya, and they have their What's own. What's up to? It's just a very, it's just a very unstable African country okay. where there's a lot of fighting, and I think believes there's some French troops there. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it's like a bit of a, a bit of a problem there. So they might have, they made the rumours. It might not be true, but there are rumours that they helped him out militarily. That they actually kind of bombed a few places just to help him out in in southern Libya, right? And so they have their own little back channel with. Um, with with Haftar, and then they want to, at the same time they have to like say we as in, as part of the European Union we have the same um, position on this issue as Germany and all the other rest of the uh, rest of the Union, which is oh, where, which is that we support the peace process and we want to um, you know like we we, we the, the, there's no military solution in Libya there can only be a political like everything you always hear. Right from like these press conferences, but at the same time, Italy as well, they have their own little, little because they have their own little community. And this is another problem with the Aachen Treaty and with the um, the these kind of this like trying to integrate Europe more closely while at the same time these these old relationships with different countries are still in the background and are still important. What do you think, Daphne? Because you're looking. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you're looking at it. No, it's true. Like, Questioning? <laughs> Again, like, Aachen Treaty is like, let's have a treaty on 
to renew those when we obviously know that we're in an open relationship and more and more open relationship on moral issues as uh, selling uh, weapons and strategic uh, alliances in countries at war. Yeah. To sum up. broken the rules of the open relationship. Maybe it's not as long as you're supposed to like tell everyone, you know, open communication. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. You have to if you have an open relationship, you have to actually be able to But we could have we could have had a menage à trois with the UK. But someone decided to leave. I did not (laughs) No, but um Yeah. Right. So that's basically it. Um what else did you have on your Notes, Daphne. On my notes? Which notes? (laughs) (laughs) The one that I'm making this notes. (laughs) Was there anything... Did we we miss anything about the Aachen Treaty that we can talk about? Uh, No. uh, Let's see. Um, Love, relationship, complicated, (laughs) open, down. Defense, down. Armaments exports down, Saudi Arabia down, UN sit down. I wish that these were all sorted. I wish this was an actual tick list. Like, we've sorted that. It's fine. Fake news, no more. Batteries, we even, we even yeah. mentioned batteries. I'm glad we did that. Uh, we good. Can I just say that Daphne is the most well-prepared guest we've ever had on? Absolutely. <laughs> she's, she's set the standards. And I'm not paid for it. <laughs> it's um, amazing. But, um, but you're also an expert on one other thing. Can we talk about that thing? Which thing? thing in Berlin. Ah, Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. Because this is, while you're here, we should talk about it because we'll probably never get a chance to talk about it again. The Club Commission. The Club Commission. It's really interesting for our listeners who go to nightclubs. <gasps> Some of our listeners oh, go to nightclubs. I think you mentioned this ages yeah. ago. Okay, yeah. yes, please, let's talk about this. So what for is those the... of you who go to night night clubbing, yeah. night I'm clubbing in the night, I was told me, but... by my friends that if I kept calling it clubbing, they wouldn't take me anymore. <laughs> How are you supposed to call it? Apparently not clubbing. They're too cool. You just like go to clubs or go out. Clubbing, not a verb. Oh. Oh. Even in French, it's a word now. Je vais clubber. Oh, Je okay. club. Nice tu word. club. Maybe. Il club. I think club. Time it's gone into like France, like <laughs> slang. That might be. Yeah. So, so yeah, I had a thing. I have a thing for the economy of clubbing mm-hmm. <laughs> in Berlin. So I, I have a small interest in how much people pay, taxes system, uh, and be aware that clubbing in Berlin is has become the main industry in town, one of the yeah. biggest industry in yeah. town. So what do you want to know exactly? Well, what is the Berlin Club Commission? Berlin Club Commission is an organization that could be compared to a um, trade union uh, or a lobbyist group, lobby uh-huh. group. Uh, represents. They represent the interest, the economical yeah. interest of clubs um, within the public uh, sphere or the political decision or the municipality. Yeah. And they are very, very, very powerful and very well organized and very nice people. Yeah. <laughs> and what are some of the major issues sort of facing, I guess? One of them would be like the idea of, of 
noise pollution and that being like exactly so basically they are fighting for uh, finding compromises uh, in between municipality real estate promoters and clubs Um, there are dozens and dozens of clubs who closed in Berlin over the last decade because of this reason and they had a huge 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 victory last year this is how I started to be interested in to this very efficient lobbying. Uh, they were one of the first municipality, or I think maybe the first in the world, who managed to get um, financial uh, funding from a municipality to help the nightlife. Mm-hmm. Meaning that more than, I think it was, I don't want to say um, a wrong number, but it was few millions euro. Wrong, time. <laughs> I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and that's few millions of euros to help yeah. to have the noise issue in clubs in Berlin. And actually, in the municipality, we need you. We really need you because you're attracting so much and so much yeah. tourists. And there is a huge. Most of the tourists I know that would come here. Are so I have I have a few numbers here. Um, well, can you imagine the nightclub industry in Berlin? How much it can uh, generate in one year of revenue for the municipality? Not for the municipality, like what is the revenue for night economy in Berlin in one year? For one municipality? No, no, not for the municipality. What? Yeah, meaning clubs, hostel, uh, food, drinks and stuff related, transportation, stuff related to night clubbing. Dun, 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 say a I number. There's no chance I can do numbers. Number. One, one billion. One billion dollars. <laughs> one billion dollars. One billion? One billion. More or less? What do you say again? Less, but only a little bit less. Much more. It's 1.5 billion. Whoa. A year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. That's people coming to hotels to go to clubbing. Exactly. So people and come to parties for living, of which we all... And that's not counting drugs, presumably. Not counting what, sorry? Drugs. People buying drugs. Ah, that's another issue. So I don't think... That's, That's another then. issue. Yeah, when you, it's a part of the... When you ask... Yeah, when you ask the club yeah. commission, what's the... Can we have figures on the drugs-related uh, uh, business in Berlin? And I will, of course, never provide you any figures yeah. because drugs are not sold in clubs in Berlin on the paper. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. So yeah, club commission is super efficient. So they manage they manage to save like many clubs from closing, uh-huh. and they're also on this very uh, political line that they want the uh, nightlife in Berlin to stay very uh, um, quality and not quantity. So they are not yeah. so much interested in thousands of uh, easyJet uh, tourists who are arriving on Friday evening to party anywhere until Monday morning on any drugs and on any music yeah. they want they still want to be an underground creative yeah. center of uh, techno culture in Europe so they are very 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 careful with it and not all the clubs are member of the club commission but the, uh-huh. the main club in Berlin are actually members yeah. and you want another couple of uh, interesting uh, yeah. figures oh, this is actually what is, me up. what is the average age of a Berlin clubber 37. <laughs> ben, what do you say? Anything less. It might be. I'm going to say, I'm going to say lower, I think. Like Probably. Clubs are full of young people. 28. 30.2. Ah. Not we, far. We were, we were... And another, yeah. and a last sad figure. What is the average salary of someone working in the club industry? 
In Berlin? Average? Uh, probably not much. About 10 or an hour? It's yes. 450 euros. It's Most of them are mini jobs. Mm. Wow. Well, it's well, what kind of jobs are we talking about? Bouncers, uh, waiter, waiter waitress, garderobe. You're going to be working and think, yeah, I guess a lot of people, depending on the club, it's very, you want to work at certain places. Right. What is the average um, money that a tourist spending a day in Berlin for clubbing? Too much, bless them. With or without A tourist? A tourist one day in Berlin. One day in Berlin, I think. Not including drugs. Just on the clubbing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's all like taxis, drinks. Including kebabs, whatever you want, taxi <laughs> and, and donut kebabs. I tourist, about 150 euros a day. Yeah. Ah, well done. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Don't look at my paper. <laughs> you arrive here, but it's like your specialist subjects. So, yeah. <laughs> two summer, Berlin used to be a place for industrial steel 100 yeah. years ago. And now they're actually considering that tourism and club culture is uh, the main... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the thing people do... Resource. ...come here and... I mean, you often feel quite sad because you sort of meet them or whatever and they're just like, oh, we tried to go here, here and here and we didn't get in. I was like, well, yeah. So it's a kind of nice that in some ways, like, the Berlin scene is profiting from that, but it's not just... Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with having loads of tourists, but I don't want to go to, like... I don't want to go clubbing and then have like two stag parties in there. I'm sorry, I just don't. So the, <laughs> the, the club commission were actually publishing on their Facebook page something fascinating. Mm. There is people in Berlin offering their service to Airbnb to take tourists yes. clubbing with them. So mm. you pay 90 euros. That's disgusting. To spend an evening to have drinks, then take the U-Bahn, the metro. And then go to a club without any guest list or nothing. Well, like, just yeah, to hang know. out with cool guys who are clubbing every weekend. But and you, you pay for you that. As well because you don't... And it's... this is exactly where the club commission is useful. They were like, we have all the names and you are advertising guest list. And now you're only going to get blacklists. Oh, oh. Berlin, I love you. Okay. End of the I game. Really <laughs> I was going to see that. I was going to try that. Probably wouldn't work for me, would it? <laughs> You can come clubbing with me, but a 50% chance I get in. Do you think anyone would pay 90 euros to spend an evening clubbing with me? Probably not. Well, I thought you were going to pay it. <laughs> yeah, I also said it. <laughs> um, so who, who are these cool people? I'm just fascinated. Who, are, there, are there cool people who, who can just say... So that's on top of, like, your room. So you get to sleep in their flat. These cool people. Absolutely no, not. No, You're literally no, so. paying to bring your own beer to their own apartment. Yeah, Airbnb ah. does. Then to take the Uban with them and to maybe get accepted or not accepted into a club. Ah. To dance around them and then take a taxi and go back to your Airbnb. Because some people really do, and sometimes it is kind of a. That's amazing. Wow, it is. It's shocking. The club thing is a little bit. Um, Because you're not really offering anybody anything other than, like, I think I'm so great and I can get into, like, you know, Bergheim or whatever. Right. To use the, mar- like, the, the benchmark for difficult clubs to get into. It's a diff- yeah. It's, But yeah, okay. Airbnb offer, like, you can offer services up there, you know, like, people do, like, But, tours or something. And people do want to pay for things like that or to, know, like, my uh, know people who do 
like Christmas market tourism will take you around like the nice Christmas markets and it's you know right. that is reasonable but that's on Airbnb it's going pay to hang out with some I mean my problem with clubbing is that I have to hang out with people I don't know anyway let alone <laughs> paying someone 90 euros to escort me there it just sounds horrendous right um Daphne I heard a terrifying rumour um well I don't know whether it's terrifying or not but do you know anything about plans to develop like the there's a whole strip of clubs Along the above blank and so not about blank like Club Divisionaire Chalet that area. Wait, I'm lost. What? What? Who's <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> So they're all in the same area. So basically, right. if you get off at Schlesi and you walk towards Tractor. Park, yeah, and you I go over that bridge, and then you get like Club Divisionaire. You yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Chalets not yeah. closed. Like, apparently, I've they're all there. closing and it's being developed for housing, but you don't know. No, I heard that there were threats on uh, the other strip. Oh, we have strips of clubs in Berlin School. So, the other strip, which is about blank, uh, Ville de Renate, and other one, but actually, yeah. this area, I think it's pretty much safe but the one I'm talking about yeah what is okay, safe what is safe now when you see the real estate mortgage in Berlin I cannot say so but there are clubs that are being like um, shut down aren't they? yeah all they're the being, time they're being priced out by the, the developers yeah but it's not only the, the only reason there are also like legal reasons security reason, drugs reason. also sometimes and I say this with absolute love for the Berlin club scene I've been in some places and you sort of if you're in a complimented state you look around and go well, there best not be a fire in here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? What's the plan? That lad in a vest. And, a, and the guest list, he's going to lead us all to safety, is he? I don't think so. <laughs> but if you got escorted by a guy that you paid 90 euros, you will make oh, it safe for oh, sure. Fine. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. You're going to find that guy that's 90 euros. It's like fire insurance. Yeah. You pay for him to rescue you from the fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some people probably pay for that. I wouldn't trust him. Uh, I don't know. Can you okay. anything worse than being... So, are there, what clubs are being shut down? In the last 10 years? Yeah. A lot, yeah. A lot, a lot. A lot. I might have heard of. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not an actual clubber, so I cannot give you exact name, but yeah, the club commission is saying that there were like a few dozen who have been shut in the last, in, only in the last year. I should really probably know some, but I've absolutely gone. Yeah, let's say, uh, Club de Cosmonauts, it's in Mountsan. Yeah, there are club in Mountsan. Okay. Lichtenberg, actually. <laughs> Oh, it's Lichtenberg or Nord Lichtenberg or whatever they call it. Um, what about Watergate? What's happening with Watergate? Watergate is still operating, I think. Watergate is. But I thought that they raised the rent or something. They raised the rent and there was. Yeah, like for my apartment, they also raised the rent and I stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> this is capitalism, Ben. <laughs> I, I thought they raised the rent a lot and then they had to shut down. Yes, I, I thought I read, I read that somewhere. Okay, fair enough. We'll get a fairly fine, yeah. slick I don't know. I've got weird cameras in the toilets last time I was there, which is cameras in the toilets. Which admittedly was about ten years ago, so I can't believe it. Anyway. <laughs> 
Any more interesting facts, Daphne? This has been really brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. I've really cheered up talking about this club commission. Yeah. So, club commission, one other big achievement. Yeah. Let's talk about taxes. Ah, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yay. <laughs> so, um, clubs in Berlin are considered as entertaining places like restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. So, they are supposed to pay the same amount of taxes that any a restaurant and bar, but they're actually fighting to get recognized as cultural places, Ooh. which is half the amount of taxes. I think that should happen. And they took it to courts. And who was the first club who won the case? Bergheim! And how did it happen? They had inspectors coming for months every weekend, actually asking people, are you coming for the music? Do you know the DJ? Do you like the cultural aspect of the place or are you just going to the toilets and taking drugs and getting high and taking too much mate they actually want they actually won the case and they were the first club in berlin to be recognized as a cultural place i would lower the taxes by anything to see a video of how those exchanges (laughs) went down sweet lord what perfection of possible different oh god someone has to make a documentary we need a documentary the economy the economy of if you want to talk about clubbing going through the economical aspect of it is extremely interesting that i have to say yeah. yeah so they pay less tax now they pay less just Bergheim or is this all they're the first one meaning that if other clubs want to join they there is a, f- a first case and they can have the same arguments yeah. mm-hmm. okay awesome but this is also why Bergheim has to organize this weird um, movie thing in the middle of the afternoon sometime during the week because yeah. they have to really really keep on proving that they're actually a cultural place and not only a place you get wasted yeah. but the thing is like Bergheim kind of is and I know it's kind of become like a little bit like you know, everyone rolls out all Bergheim and their difficult door pulsing thing. But like, it, it really was born out of like being a safe space for for various people that were not um, part of the mainstream. It's definitely born out of like particularly like the LGBT community and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, for those reasons, and I think and almost those reasons only. I enjoy Bergheim. <laughs> Did they have clipboards? The, um, I just do you think no or were they made up even worse to look like blending in with the Berlin like the Bergheim scene oh this is too perfect I need to know all of these things yeah so they were they these inspectors it would have been fun to be in one of those inspectors wouldn't it like how would you dress well exactly I don't know so like how would you like how yeah brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing Daphne Thank you very much. Thanks to you. Oh, yeah. I don't have some left. Don't, don't yeah. you think? That was like... We've, we've Thank you so, so much. We've been everywhere. We've, we've been, everywhere. been... We've been to, to Libya and... Factories in Poland, Libya. Uh, Germany, France, over to the, the UK. Yeah, well, we could say Great Britain for that, roughly. Yeah. We went to Poland. We briefly yeah. went to Spain. Then we went to Malhefka and then we went to Borkheim. Yeah. What... And it's only Friday evening. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Daphne. Thanks, Daphne. Have a good evening. Bye, guys. Bye.